Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome again to the Explaining History podcast. And we're going to be taking one of our dives into everyday Stalinism. Now we're coming, it's, we've been talking about this book for years, um, and we're, we're, we're coming to the end. Uh, and once again we'll be looking at the the, the functioning and the processes of the, 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 the great Stalinist terror. But before we go there, I'm kind of curious about gauging the the views of the the whole explaining history community. After reading um, various articles today about the fact that history undergraduate degrees are under threat, not at uh, in in the UK, at uh, not at the the Russell Group universities, Oxford and Cambridge and Bristol and places like that, but at, at smaller universities with less resources, where probably um, often. Uh, students on lower incomes tend to go um, and they're, they're being axed in favour of things like business studies degrees which will no doubt turn out to be the uh, the great white elephants of tomorrow. So it got me thinking, uh, well, what can we do? Well, here on the Explaining History podcast I take a, you know an eclectic journey through 20th century history um, there are things I know more about, things that I perhaps don't talk about enough because I haven't learned enough yet to, to approach them. Um, but I could, in addition to this podcast, do something more structured. Um, and by that, for people who are excluded from university education through with kind of exorbitant tuition fees and, and all, all the other barriers to entry that have been created by New Labour and Tory governments over the last sort of 20 odd years, what if there was a way to provide um, the same standard of, uh, of learning? I mean, obviously we can't issue degree certificates here, but we can, we can try to do everything else. Um, so I was, I'm giving some thoughts, and it'll take a bit of planning, a bit of time, a bit of an effort, 
to creating, um, in addition to this podcast, uh, a, a more structured, modularized uh, podcast and perhaps even video uh, channel on, on the Explaining History YouTube channel. Um, and we would be doing modules in, in modern history, kind of an, an approaches to history module, and then various uh, topics of learning, and hopefully we'll get some guests on uh, as well. If this would be attractive, I don't want to create tons of content that no one's really very interested in, but if this would be attractive and useful, please um, uh, message me. You can find me on, on Twitter, you can find me... You can um, message me at nick underscore shepley at hotmail.com uh, or you can get me on the Explaining History website, www.explaininghistory.org and I'd be really interested to hear some of your views because um, we we have to. We have to make sure that the understanding of the past is not a rich person's hobby. It can't become that. For It will be to the detriment of all of us if it does. Okay, so now what I'm going to do is dive into looking at the the year uh, 1937. Um, this is the, the high point of the Great Terror. Um, and so the the question with things like the, the Great Stalinist Terror is always to ask, well, you know, why why 37? Some historians say, well, you know, there there was kind of a this is the sort of the the kind of the the, the um the view of Robert Service that um is nineteen thirty seven is just a continuation of everything that has happened over the previous twenty years and there's been a, an endless terror in Russia, which sort of is the case, but that also tells us everything and nothing. Um, so why nineteen thirty seven? Let's find it from Sheila Fitzpatrick. Sheila writes, There have been rumblings ever since Kirov's death and the localised waves of terror that followed it. The first of the three great Moscow show trials of former oppositionists, the trial of Zinoviev and Kamenev, in August 1936, um, initiated a round of arrests of former oppositionists. But this was still on a relatively small scale. Mass arrests in the communist elite and the episode of hysterical witch hunting we now call know, uh, we now know as the Great Purges began in the first months of 1937, when the January show trial of Yuri Pyatakov uh, and other former communist leaders, counter-revolutionary wrecking and sabotage, and the bloodthirsty plenary meeting of the Central Committee that followed. Although it was almost two years before the terror started to wind down, and Nikolai Yezhov was removed as head of the NKVD, the whole episode was long remembered by Soviet citizens as the year of 1937. So 1937, in Soviet uh, memory, has a certain kind of dark, talismanic power. The three trials had a strong structural resemblance to the show trials of the Cultural Revolution, the Shakti trial on the 19, um, of 1928 and the Industrial Party trial of 1930. Now, they, those earlier trials were ways of um, Stalin kind of positioning himself for um, not just leadership of the Soviet Union, but also positioning himself um, ideologically as the the deliverer 
of collectivization and the five-year plans. With the, the Shakti trial, um, where there were accusations in Shakti of being of there being um, kind of industrial sabotage and of um, anti-Bolshevik wreckers undermining uh, the hard work of the glorious proletarian revolution, which obviously wasn't the case. It was the fact that um, uh, the uh, particularly the miners in Shakti were put under immense stress, were forced to work exceedingly hard, there were uh, accidents and failings, uh, and these were always explained away as um, conspiracies against the people. You know, there were wreckers who, ha- who uh, were trying to undermine the revolution. It's a way of framing Russia as existing in an endless siege state, much as the, uh, the arrest and trial of the um, uh, British engineers in, during the, the Metro Vickers trial where um, uh, British engineers were, were put on trial and accused of spying for uh, MI6. Um, whether they were or they weren't is kind of a moot point, really. It's not entirely beyond MI6 to spy on Russia in that way. Uh, but the, the, it usefully created... The, the, all these trials created this narrative of endless threat and endless danger. And Stalin himself looked at the rest of the world and saw endless threat and endless danger and believed that terror was the only way, internal terror is the only way that you keep the revolution safe by hunting down its enemies, imagined or, or real. Sheila Fitzpatrick writes, the difference was that the then, the then the defendants had been bourgeois specialists, charged as representatives of their class as part of a campaign against the old intelligentsia. The, the bourgeois specialists um, engineers and agronomists and um, architects and that kind of thing were almost always identified with being remnants of the old regime. There was a uh, a belief that um, in under the uh, as a result of the revolution that the old specialists would have to be kind of kept around for a while, but until they could be replaced with uh, proletarian counterparts until working-class um, counterparts could re- replace them. And often this was difficult. Often the um, workers weren't really suitable to take on these highly skilled roles um, or had the, the know-how or, or the expertise. But because you have people who survived the revolution found a place within the new Bolshevik order, um, um, but who previously had done quite well out of the uh, the Tsarist regime. It presents an, an air of suspicion to a suspicious state, and the possibility of being able to to victimise them and to present them as being other or disloyal uh, was actually very, very useful as far as Stalin was concerned. However, this time the defendants were high communist officials, very recently removed from top positions, the inference that they too were on trial as representatives of a class was there to be drawn. But the question was, what class? One possible reading was that it was the class of former oppositionists. The other, considerably more disturbing in its implications, was that it was the whole communist managerial class that was now on trial. The theme of the Pyotikov trial was wrecking meaning intentional sabotage of the Soviet economy, 
by highly placed officials who were secret enemies of Soviet power. Yuri Piatikov, one of the chief defendants, was a former supporter of Trotsky who had recently um, um, uh, who had recanted in the uh, early 1930s, uh, but re uh, readmitted to the party and become the right-hand man of Sergei Ozhonikidze uh, at the Ministry of Heavy Industry. Part of the context of the um, the purges um, obviously it relates to the assassination of Kirov. And the assassination of Kirov um, follows the um, the Congress of Victors, um, where Stalin um, felt highly insecure, where he recognised that Sergei Kirov was rising in popularity. And Stalin himself was um, highly criticised for the disaster of um, collectivization and the famine that resulted from it. Um, it's it's all too easy to see Stalin as a kind of this this uh, immovable, uh, um, undefeatable, uh, monolithic figure, but he himself didn't always see himself in that in those terms, and and saw threats to him um, and to his position. Uh, and one way of of looking at the initial phases of the Great Terror was that they were a way of shoring up the the weakness of his position. Uh, that had been um, generated by his his own uh, mistakes and failings and his own ruthlessness uh, towards the kulaks uh, er earlier on. Um, and of course, Soviet agriculture didn't just nimbly bounce back um, once the, um, the the famine had ended. Um, collectivization uh, and the famine uh, led to uh, a, a a permanent. A decline in Soviet agriculture that actually lasted for decades. So the by you know a few years later, the um, effects of collectivization would have been sorely felt in terms of hunger in the cities and food shortages, which was one of the regime's great kind of uh, Achilles' heels. Piatikov was accused of treason against the country, espionage committing acts of diversion, wrecking activities, and the preparation of terrorist acts. So Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Of all kind of complete fantasies, uh, and yet because this is a show trial, because this is meant to... Um, provide theatre drama to the general public this sort of level of of absurdity actually has a a real a real purpose it's not simply just hyperbole for its own sake prosecutor Andrei Vyshinsky put on a dramatic performance describing in astonishing detail the awful outlines of the conspiracy of former oppositionists. Their master, Judas Trotsky, and the German and Japanese intelligence agencies against Soviet power. They were a brigand gang, murderers, toadies and cads of capitalism, Vyshinsky claimed. This is not a political party, it's merely a gang of criminals, hardly to be distinguished from gangsters who use blackjacks and daggers on the high road in the dark night, fearful of the masses from which it runs like the devil from holy water, the gang conceals its brutal claws and ferocious fangs. The roots of this gang must be sought in the secret recesses of the foreign espionage agencies which bought these people, which kept them, paid for them for their loyal flunky service. Um, Sheila Fitzpatrick also writes, The trial was reported almost verbatim in all national newspapers with banner headlines, photographs of the count defendants and boxed statements by indignant Soviet citizens calling for the death penalty. Um, As as we've talked about many times before on this uh, podcast, um, the the way in which um, the, uh, the kind of the the, the Bolshevik uh, and later Stalinist um, Stalinist thought about the individual uh, and thought about the conscious and unconscious thought. The way they thought about the the reformulation of the, the political individual inside was that um, rigorous self-analysis was required. That one must... Um, look deeply, go through deep kind of forensic self-analysis to root out the the internal traitor. And that the roots of capitalism and the kind of the corruption of the the, the, the capitalist system ran deep inside all people who had been born under the, the Tsarist regime and that... Um, that uh, people wore many masks. This was, there was a great series of uh, great talk about a kind of uh, masks uh, as a as a metaphor and an actual reality, um, and that um, individuals that wore masks um, were often hiding things. That Stalin wrote that you know even those who are pretending now to accept the regime, you can't trust them really. Often these are the worst kinds of people because they're the ones 
who will um, be the most difficult to track down, the most difficult to find, um, and the most dangerous. So show trials were about um, claiming to get beyond the mask. Um, and the idea of, of, of the mask, of, of the, 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 pers- the persona that one projects out to the world, um, that this was kind of disingenuous and inauthentic uh, and the, the kind of the product of a capitalist false consciousness anyway, that um, the revolution had to keep chipping away at this and um, destroying this artifice again and again and again until um, the real revolutionary Soviet proletarian individual could finally be found underneath or until it turns out that you are actually some bourgeois capitalist saboteur and you can be taken out and shot. Stalin, Molotov and Yezhov, writes Sheila Fitzpatrick, spelled out the message to a terrified Central Committee at the plenary meeting that began in February 1937. The speeches lent considerable weight to the reading that the class on trial in the Piatikov trial was the communist managerial elite. It turned out, they said, that Piatikov and co. were not the only wreckers in industry. In fact, wreckers were flourishing everywhere in the industrial and transport apparatus, overlooked by complacent communists who'd forgotten about vigilance. And not all the wreckers were former oppositionists. There were enemies of the people in other branches of the Soviet government too. In addition, wreckers and traitors had wormed their way into top positions and the, gen- the regional party administrations. This was particularly distressing news for the Central Committee, many of whom whose members were themselves regional party secretaries. So what's Stalin trying to say? Why is Stalin turning against uh, the party bureaucracy I- itself? The party bureaucracy was what Stalin had, had based his power on. There, there are a number of possible explanations. The, the, the party bureaucracy that Stalin had cultivated contained within it um, many um, uh, older figures who had predated the revolution who, and uh, many who had joined the party in the first year after the, 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 the revolution. Uh, many who weren't necessarily Stalin loyalists, uh, and uh, many who could be uh, tainted with accusations of connections to Trotsky. Um, though the the numbers of uh, Trotsky loyalists were infinitesimally small. A more useful clue comes in the language of wrecking of wreckers. Again and again and again, this is this is articulated, um, and it is one way of the regime of Stalin, particularly making up for the shortcomings of everything he's done, um, the failings of the five-year plans, um, which, uh, whilst outputs increased in, in a variety of ways, uh, there were all sorts of shortcomings: industrial accidents, wastes, inefficiencies. Um, poorly sighted um, infrastructure projects and um, uh, infrastructure projects rushed through so quickly that they um, were kind of 
they crumbled within a, a, a couple of, of years. Um, and that really was the product of regional and local party bosses uh, acting like little Stalins uh, and um, using essentially uh, brute force ignorance and belligerence to uh, uh, terrorise and brutalise projects until, uh, until they're, they're done rapidly, not necessarily correctly. So kind of a purveying sort of hegemonic Stalinism that sort of pervades the, the, the whole regime is one of the key factors why, why nothing works or nothing works particularly well. Newspapers were a key means of disseminating uh, Stalinist ideas, and uh, Sheila Fitzpatrick writes, Over the next few months, the newspapers carried a wealth of startling information about the sins of leading communists in the centre uh, and the regions. These, new item, these news items usually refrain from stating outright that the subject unmasked uh, as an enemy of the people had been or would be sh uh, or would shortly be arrested but this was obvious to any experienced reader of the soviet press the stories were written in such a way as to rouse all the latent hostility of soviet citizens to elite privileges and arbitrary uh, exercise of power so this is a very kind of skillful and ruthless bit of politics that soviet citizens were angry at the party most of the time for the party's corruption, for uh, the the favorite the favoritism of uh, party members, uh, for nepotism, and for all the other vices that um, uh, tend to go with kind of uh, is, is established power systems. Stalin was aware of this. He sometimes personally received letters from the general public. I think they didn't use the the their their real names. And by taking that anger and skillfully misdirecting it or redirecting it uh, against the um, the those accused in the show trials to say you know these are your uh, your crooks and your traitors and your liars and your cheats this is why nothing works these are the people that have been uh, embezzling money uh, and taking more than their fair share um, the fact that several of them are Jewish um, perhaps I don't think there's any direct evidence for this, but uh, anecdotally tapped into a, a kind of a, a barely hidden uh, Russian anti-Semitism. Enemies of the people, writes Sheila Fitzpatrick, uh, had practised patronage and favouritism, bullied subordinates and been rude to ordinary citizens, developed their own local cults of personality, used state funds to support a luxurious lifestyle of banquets, dashes, cars, and foreign consumer goods and expensive clothes. This is the, the kind of rhetoric that was uh, coming out in the newspapers, and no doubt it was, much of it was true, but it was probably doubly true of Stalin and his inner circle. The atmosphere of the time, strongly anti-elitist and anti-bossist, was encapsulated in Stalin's toast in October to little people, in which he remarked that leaders come and go, but the people remain. Only the people are eternal. Um, and it was um, rather like Mao's cultural revolution. Rather like the way Hannah Arendt described fascism as this alliance between the elite and the mob. Temporary one. Stalin, the, the kind of the populist figure in a way. I mean, that's uh, not in the, the, the conception of populist that we have at the moment. 
was trying to reach over the heads of the party and the bureaucracy to connect directly with the angers, the resentments and the prejudices of the prejudices of the people and really offered retribution against the party bureaucracy. And this, as Mao later discovered during the Cultural Revolution, and his Cultural Revolution was largely based on the Stalinist terror, we recognised that this was a great way to shore up your position when things had gone wrong and maybe you were under threat. And it's interesting to note that when Mao undertook the Cultural Revolution in 1966, it's because precisely four years earlier, he his power had been seriously compromised and seriously threatened because he too, during uh, a uh, the Great Leap Forward, had caused an enormous famine. So as they say, you know, history doesn't necessarily repeat itself, but it certainly rhymes from time to time. Anyway, we're going to finish there. I really would be interested in your thoughts about the possibility of running, uh, kind of explaining history school, really, um, to to reach out to all the people that would otherwise be excluded from from education. Um, thanks very much, everybody. Do check us out. If you can find us on Patreon, that would be gratefully received. You can find all the links and everything on explaininghistory.org. All Patreon subscribers get extra uh, essays and analysis um, at least once or twice a month. Thanks very much, everybody. All, uh, all the best. Bye-bye. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.